Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On today's episode, full show with Anthony Ayani as he talks about his new book dropping next Tuesday, Centered. Yes, the memoir about his life. Great conversation with friend of the program and friend in real life, Anthony Ayani. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy game day eve, everyone. Wow, we are almost here, a full 24 hours away from kickoff of the 2021 season. Mel Tucker's second year. I simply cannot wait. Man, oh man. Uh, On today's episode, uh, if you have already heard by now, you probably figured it out. We have Anthony Ayani on to talk about his memoir, Centered, Autism, Basketball, and One Athlete's Dreams. Incredible book. Cannot wait for it to be released to the public next Tuesday. So we talk with him for the full show. If you are looking for some football in your life, Yesterday's episode, we talked with Drew Schott of the Daily Northwestern. He gave a great detailed breakdown of what to expect from the Wildcats. We also had Coach Kapilovic on uh, Tuesday's show. And, of course, for tomorrow's show, because we do do this five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday. On tomorrow's show, yeah, we're going to be going a little heavier into the game with a little bit of betting at the end of the episode tomorrow as well. But for now, that's right. We got Anthony Ayani on to talk about Centered. Cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. Uh, Anthony is great as always. I mean, he's been on the show a few times, and he's just the man. What else can be said about him? Uh, but before we get to him, really quick, guys, got to do the old housekeeping of saying, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Yes, we do this five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Spartans. I'm your co-host, Matt Sheehan, and this is our conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Anthony Ayani. Where do I even begin with this? I, MSU basketball legend, friend of the program, just dapper all-around gentleman and scholar, but also the author of Centered. That's right, his memoir, Autism, Basketball, and One Athlete's Dream. Anthony Ayani, just an absolute pleasure to be joined by you once again, man. How, how on earth have you been? And how, We're less than a week away from your book being released. Life's got to be crazy for you right now, right? It is, man. Um, just been doing a lot, of, been doing a lot of podcast appearances, radio appearances. Um, I was actually on Doug Gottlieb's All Ball podcast today. Oh shoot! So, so the first time, first time I've ever met Doug, and he's a really great guy. So I'm excited for you guys to hear that episode. But you know, life's just been crazy, man. And then, of course, you know, the day the book comes out next Tuesday, you know, is the same day my oldest starts first grade, which is which is cool, man. As a parent, but uh, but no, man, life is good. Just staying busy and just trying to promote the hell out of this book, man. Um, so if people have been seeing all my Twitter and my Facebook and Instagram accounts lately, yeah, I've, I've been pushing a lot lately. So there, people are going to get a lot of that here in the next couple of weeks. No, of course, I, obviously working hard on it. And I got to ask, like, you keep doing these interviews and whatnot, just doing an awesome job promoting it. Like, when does it get tiring, though? Like, when does it get tiring and answering the same questions and yada 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 and also, with that caveat, please tell me if you're tired of answering any questions that I ask in the next half hour or two. But are, are you starting to get a little exhausted here with uh, the, the old press tour? No, not at all. I, honestly, man, like I'm so used to it because, you know, ever since I started my work with um, the Relentless Tour and the Michigan Department of Civil Rights, and we're actually um, 
you know, renaming the initiative for the Michigan Department. So it's funny. So the Michigan Department of Civil Rights is going in a different direction. So we're calling the Bullying Initiative Together United, um, okay. which is part of MDCR's Youth Academy, which you know I'm 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 a part of now. But the Relentless Tour is still mine. So I'll still do being I'll still do the Relentless Tour out of state and everything like that. And you know I own that's my brand, so I own it. Um, but before all the changes went down, like our PR, our head of PR at our department at Civil Rights. You know, she always did have me on like these morning shows to promote the, the Relentless Tour and MDCR itself. And I always got I I always got asked the same questions every time. So honestly, man, like I'm so used to it. And, you know, whatever I can do to hype up the book and whatever, you know, other kind of questions that people can ask me. And the other thing is, too, like if I get asked the same question again, you know, I think in my head, OK, well, I said this last time, try to say the same thing, but add a little more spice to it, a little more kick to it. So that's why I use it. Nice. <laughs> Some flair. I love it, man. So I, I got to start with uh, probably the most recent uh, thing that I, I can think of that went viral on your end. It was just you opening the box of books with yeah. your family. Like, I, just walk me through, like, how cool was that, especially to do it ne- next to your kids as well? It was really cool, man. Um, you know, because when I talked to my agent, um, Joe Perry, my literary agent, and I asked him, I said, I was like, how do I do this? Like, do I just, you know, do I sit down somewhere and just put my phone on a table, hit record and do it? And yeah. I was, I do this. This is probably the first time, you know, hopefully it's not the last time I do this. And he just said to me, he said, make it more impactful and let it be with your family. I was like, okay, well, so if I'm going to do this, I'll have my kids do it. Cause I think that'd be really cool. So um, my kids were a little more excited about getting bubble wrap and seeing what was inside. <laughs> the box. But um, just being able to, to share that moment with my family, man, and to show my kids, like, this is what, this is what, a hard work during a tough process, you know, get you in life. And, um, you know, my kids saw what was in that box, you know, they thought it was really cool. And, you know, I was telling Doug Gottlieb today, I said, the one thing, the one joy I hope to get out of this 10 years from now is that, you know, my kids read my book and then they read everything I've been through in my life and to see where I'm at today. Not only do I want my kids to go, man, like not only is my dad, like the greatest dad in the world, but he's one of the most inspiring figures that I know in my life. So, you know, but for my family to to have that moment with my family, like I don't get a lot of those moments, man. You know, it's kind of like watching, you know, like Draymond Green, for example, it's like Draymond celebrating, you know, a championship with his kids. You know, I don't get moments like that. So this was kind of my championship moment to celebrate with my kids. And, you know, it was definitely a very, very, very exciting day for that Annie household. No doubt. And I mean, obviously it's a memoir about your life. So maybe this is a silly question. Like who was your inspiration for the book? Because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you're, Right about yourself, but I, I guess is there a specific audience that you want to impact the most with, with this book? Oh man, I think for me, Matt. Um, I mean, the autism community is one of them because you know we don't have a lot sure. of. I mean, there are there are a lot of books out there about autism, but there aren't a lot of autism biographies out there uh, about one certain individual. And you know, I actually had a um, I had a publishing company tell me two years ago when we were trying to find a home for the book. And I'm not going to name the publishing company because I'm not going to throw them under the bus. But when, you know, yeah. when we when I was talking about my book, you know, the editor flat out said to me, well, you know, chances are your book's probably not going to sell because it's not an autobiography by Do- by Dr. Temple Grandin, who sells more autism biographies than anybody. And w- w- when I heard that, Matt, I took offense to it because sure. part of it, I was like, OK, well, if you don't think this thing is going to sell, then watch. Like, I'm not trying to beat out. <laughs> Temple Grandin, one of the most famous individuals in the world with autism. I'm not going to do that on my first try, but I'm going to make this thing sell. And the fact that I got a lot of Spartan Nation in my corner, I mean, 
I mean, Jay Billis, you know, is in my corner right now, which is great. You know, Nick Saban is in my corner too. I mean, those are two big sports figures, you know, in the world, especially Nick Saban, who's, you know, the GOAT when it comes to, you know, not just college football, but college coaches in general. And the fact that I got great icons like that in my corner, like I'm going to do whatever I can to sell this thing. But, you know, I wanted this, I started this book and made this book because, you know, a lot of people believed in my story and they wanted to learn not just more about Anthony Ianni, but they wanted to learn more about autism. And that's what this book provides. And, you know, I really hope to hit the autism community hard. And I think the sports community too, because if you think about it, Matt, you know, the sports community really hasn't had a good underdog story, you know, in a long time. And I think you know, the book is going to hit home to a lot of people in the sports community as well. We'll be back in a hot second with Anthony, but first I need to talk to you people about Rock Auto. That's right. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Like, hey, does your Ford Taurus need a, a yabble, gibble, gibber, jabber? I don't know. Whatever car parts a, a car needs. I'm not a car person at all. But luckily, the fine family folks at rockauto.com are, and they are here to take care of you. Why would you spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? You would only do it if you were a clown. Here. Rock Auto, like I said, guys, family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Prices always low for every single customer. They have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, and gas pedals. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Head to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And, you know, I wanted to get to the whole, like, Nick Saban and Jay Bills thing further down, but since we're on the topic, I mean... What, what's been the most overwhelming part of this whole process? Is it hearing from, you know, icons like Saban, Billis, of course, Izzo, or is it already having one of the top selling books on Amazon? Is it opening the books next to your kid? Like, what's just been the most, like, I guess emotionally overwhelming would be a good way to put it. What's, what's hit, hit you the most in this whole process lately? I think just getting to this point, because I know last year, yeah. last summer, when we signed with IU Press last summer, um, my agent and I were talking and he was just like, so just wait, like, it's going to go by really fast. Like the editing process will go by like, like this. And then, and then you'll start figuring out marketing plans, which came like that. And then, yeah. and he goes, then you'll start, you know, pre-sales, you know, announcing everything. And then before you know it, pre-order copies will come in, which is what has happened so far. And then you're going to be releasing it and running all over the place and promoting it even more. And so I, I think the one thing for me, Matt, you know, and I told my wife this, um, I told her, you know, I'm used to being busy, you know, with my traveling schedule, which I'll start back up in a week. And I'm very excited about that, by the way. Um, but I don't know if part of me is ready for what's to come with this book. Like, we, we all know that saying, you know, we don't know what the future holds. Like, I don't know what the future holds for this mm-hmm. book career after this. I mean, I may get a phone call one day from somebody in Los Angeles and they go, hey, we want to buy your story for this amount of money and make a book. Like, you never know. That could happen. You know, crazier things will happen. But I think yeah. that's the thing. I don't know if I'm prepared for it, is to ex- expect the unexpected, but you know, I've been, that's been my whole life, you know, expect the unexpected, I guess. So, but I guess it's been a little over 
you know, overwhelming with everything going on. But, you know, luckily for me, I've, I've had a great support system with my wife and kids that have kept me on, you know, kept me down to earth. And obviously my mom and dad who throughout my whole life has, have made sure that I stay grounded. So, um, so as long as I got them in my corner for, to make sure that I stay on my feet, you know, I'll be fine in the long run. No, right on. And I, I definitely do want to get to like the, the meat of the book here in a little bit, but before that, just really quick, I mean, just like you said a, a few minutes ago, you had this incredible speaking tour that you do anti-bullying. What, what was harder to transition into like a public speaking role, which is crazy in some people's eyes like that. That's very difficult for yeah. even the most incredible speakers. It, it's tough to do that. Or was it sitting down and just writing and, and banging out this whole book on your life story? Like what, what was a more difficult process to transition into? I think the book, honestly, Matt, um, you know, gotcha. you know, my co-author, Rob Keys, who did an incredible job uh, with the writing. So what Rob and I did was we sat down and we did five, at least five, six interviews within a month. And they were about two, three hours each. And I think the one part about that process was, you know, we did the interviews, Rob would write it out. And then he would come back to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? And then and then I would give him what I think. And then I would call him up and say, hey, what do you think about adding this in here? And then so. The communication part was awesome between me and him, which is what made our which has made our relationship not only a great working relationship, but a friendship developed as well. And Rob and I were already in the midst of working on our second project, which I don't want to get into tonight. You know, we'll get into it down the road. But, um, you know, but just like going back and forth and just trying to be patient, man, you know, because we got done with the book in the fall of 2018. Now we're trying to find a home for it, whether it's with an agent or a publisher we found an agent, we found a home. Now we're trying to find a publisher to take it on for good. And so that was the most difficult part. We're speaking like that just came naturally to me. And I'm, and I mean, you, you've known me for a while. Like I'm such a people mm-hmm. person. Like I love, yeah, going, totally. I love going out interacting with people. So speaking just came naturally to me because I love being out in live crowds and feeding off the energy of a live crowd. Whereas doing a book, it's like, okay, you got to put everything all into basically one giant document. You got to yeah. go, all the way back to as, as far as you can remember. And luckily, like we, you know, Rob talked to my parents, you know, made sure they got every little detail that was right. And my mom remembers more things about me when I was a little kid than I've ever, than I'll ever remember. And my mom has like stockpile high of like individualized education plan, my IEP plan, meeting notes and everything. So those notes and evaluation plans really came in handy because we used a lot of that stuff in my book uh, for a lot of, uh, not just educators, but for a lot of families who are affected by autism to see, you know, what I was really like as a kid. No doubt. And just to, to get into the book centered and what it's all about, I, I believe it, it pretty much sums up your whole life story, starting with a toddler, getting the autism diagnosis and your, your rise to being what, you know, eventually was being a, an icon in, in the autism community at Michigan State, playing for Tom Izzo, all mm-hmm. that fun stuff. And, you know, us, we like to have fun in this podcast. So actually, let's do quite the opposite right now. I'll just lay down my heaviest <laughs> question right now. What, let's do it. What part of the book was toughest for you to go back and rehash? If, if there was a moment, if there wasn't like the, something super tough, that's all fine. But what, was there a moment where you were like, this is actually kind of tough to talk about and rehash, but it's important to put in this book? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it actually took some, took some convincing on my co-author's part to do this. Um, so I mentioned my IEP valuations. Um, Rob actually asked me if I if I if I wanted to put those in the book. And okay. At, at the time, you know, these were evaluations, Matt, that were done as early as when I was five years old, so kindergarten. So there were some things I did as a kindergartner that I look back on and go, 
well, these were things I couldn't control. They were probably immature, but like there was just things I couldn't control at that time because I was at the spe- on the spectrum. And, you know, mm-hmm. and those things were said in those evaluations. And I looked at those and I just told Rob, I said, Rob, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, these are not my proudest moments. These are not, these are not, these are moments sure. I'm not very fond of. And I'm like, I don't know, like how I want to put this in here. I don't, like, I just really don't know. And Rob said to me, he said, He said, I understand sometimes that telling a lot of these stories can be difficult, but think of it this way. Don't think of what's best for you, the author. Think of what's best for your readers and how much of an impact that these evaluations will have for not just educators, but for families and parents and kids who are on autism Mm -hmm. spectrum, because they're going to look at these evaluations and go, you know what? My son or daughter's in the same boat as as where Anthony Ianni was in second grade or kindergarten, whatever. And now look where he's at today. The, the point is to give those families hope. That's what these evaluations provide. And he's like, I'll give you a night to sleep on it. And you think about it. And honestly, Matt, like I didn't need to sleep on it. I thought about it for two hours. I called Rob back and I said, all right, let's do this. Let's do it. And yeah. so that, that was the toughest part. Like uh, the other stories that are in there. Um, I know, you know, I talked about my high school crushes, you know, because, you know, I talked about in the book how, you know, a lot of people on the autism spectrum want to find, you know, a significant other in life. And so, I talk about how it was difficult for me and I talk about some of my high school crushes in, in particular. I didn't name names. Obviously I didn't want to do that. Um, but <laughs> I, I talked about um, the person, the type of person that they were when I was in high school. And so, you know, those were some things that I look back on and go, eh, I don't know, man. Like, do I really want to talk about my high school crushes. Or what's my wife going to think? But she already knows like, you know, who I'm talking about and everything. So, so she's like, no, don't worry. Like it's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> the whole purpose is, is to, show people that, yeah, I'm brave enough to get these facts and stories out here, but it's because of a bigger purpose. And that's to give the autism community and their families as much hope as possible. No doubt. Yeah. And I appreciate you talking about that as well. I mean, it's probably not the most fun question, but Hey, that's awesome. You did write that in the book and that you, you know, your co-author did give you that tip because I think that's a great point too. I mean, because that's who the book ultimately is for in the end is mm-hmm. all these families and others to be inspired by that. But on the complete flip side end, obviously we don't want to give the whole book away, but is, is there a favorite story that, you know, is, is part of the book here? Cause I know you got a lot of chapters and you know, obviously your life is full of amazing uh, things to write about, but was there a certain thing that really you were just mm, jazzed about? Oh man. Um, like you said, there's a lot of them, man. Like we really did put a That'd lot, tough, of them, yeah. you know, but I don't know about story, but I'll go, I'll go chapter for you on this one. There is actually a chapter that is, dedicated to my late grandfather, um, Nicholas uh, Anthony Ianni Sr., who was my dad's dad. Um, he passed away in 1995. And um, But when I did the chapter, when we did the chapter about my grandfather, I learned a lot about him. I learned that he was an advocate for individuals with disabilities, and he worked with state legislators to help get the services and accommodations that they needed when they were in school. And so he did a lot of work, you know, in that field. And so, and he was the superintendent for um, Washtenaw Intermediate School District for a long time. Um, he played football at Pitt. So there's that connection there with college football. Unfortunately, yeah. he was a hard Michigan fan, obviously, but yeah. you know, <laughs> li- li- living in Dexter, you know, 10 minutes away from Ann Arbor, I can understand why. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, um, but he also got his, um, he got his master's degree from U of M too. So that explains a lot, but um, you know, I learned a lot about my grandfather and just little things. And, when I, when I learned about what he did as an advocate for those with disabilities, I immediately said to myself, I said, okay, there's that connection. You know, I've always wondered, you know, why, 
Like, yeah, obviously I'm an advocate, self-advocate for those in the autism community. I said, but there's got to be a bigger reason as to why I got in this profession and why the man upstairs led me down this path. And I guess it was because of what my grandfather did. And that, that to me was my favorite chapter personally. I mean, the Michigan state stuff, you know, Oklahoma's high school and AAU where I got, where I first got the nickname AI, where it first, where, where it all was basically started, if you will. I mean, those, those are a lot of great chapters and people are going to love, but I think getting to learn more about my grandfather and what he did, you know, as an advocate for those with disabilities. I mean, that definitely, you know, really touched me a lot. And we will be back in a hot second with our guy, Anthony. But first, I need to talk to you beautiful people about betonline.ag. They haven't told me to stop singing it yet, so I'm going to keep doing it. All right, guys, it's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open right now at Bet Online. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. And also, be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers when signing up using promo code NFL100. That's all one word, NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, golf, baseball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And obviously MSU is a big part of the story as well. And I, I think we've talked about this in the past, but it's been so long ago. And you know, since the book is coming out next week, might as well talk about it again. But when you came <laughs> to MSU, like was, was autism something that you tried to hide? Was it something that you let up freely? Or what, what was that oh, yeah. like? you just put yourself, you know, straight into this basketball team where maybe you're not sure that, that how it's yeah. going to go over with these guys. No, like I, I kept it quiet, Matt, for as long as I could. Um, gotcha. The only people that knew about it were, were the coaching staff, um, a couple of our managers, um, and then Austin Thornton and Mike Keebler. Now, AT, because I've known AT for, gosh, like all, like almost 20 years now, you know, 18 years at least. And so we yeah. played AU together. So he had, he had a pretty good idea, understanding of who I was as a person. And obviously, you know, my parents and his parents were really close at the time. So um, I'm pretty sure my parents probably told them about me. And then Mike Keebler was the other. Uh, we were obviously we went to Oklahoma's high school together. We were teammates. I don't think Keebs quite understood what I really went through at the time, but he had he had an idea of what autism was. Um, but none of the other guys on the team knew. And it wasn't until going into my redshirt junior year at Michigan State where you know, there was an incident in the weight room between me, me and Draymond, because he was joking about how I had to do the VO2 workout. Now, for those of you listening to this, don't know what a VO2 workout is. It's where freshmen and sometimes incoming transfers have to do this workout where they measure your endurance, your your body fat, your blood sugar, and and your lung capacity, but they hook you up to all these machines and everything. And it's just I hated it, man. Like I really hated it. So That's I did. Terrible. It sounds awful, dude. It was so <laughs> awful. Like I had to do it twice. I had to do it at Grand Valley State, as a oh, friend, no. and then I had to do it again as an incoming transfer. So I hated it. But you know, before weights, Draymond came in, walked up to me, and said, "Hey, Coach Izzo wanted me to tell you you got to do the VO two workout this afternoon with the freshmen." I was like, "Like 
so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, is he serious or is he just joking? But if Coach Izzo said uh, it, it'd be true, right? So he went on <laughs> on about a, about the VO2 workout throughout the whole workout. And when I finally heard that, you know, he was joking, I got in his face. He got in mine. We started shoving each other. Other guys were <laughs> each other. And he said to me, hey, if you can't take a joke, then don't be on the team. And that's when Mike Vorkovich, our strength coach, you know, stepped in and said, hey, Day-Day, do you want to know why Anthony can't understand you? It's because he's autistic. And after Vork said that, he looked at me like, like, like I know I, I didn't know if you wanted me to say anything, but, you know, yeah. I'm like, well, cat's out of the bag now, so you might as well just talk to him about it. And then I stormed <laughs> off. So, but apparently, you know, he told he told, uh, he told Day-Day, like, look, he can't understand you because he's autistic. Like he can't understand your jokes because he thinks you're picking on him because it's very black and white for him. And this is where I told you this story where Derek Nix overheard the conversation. <laughs> Nix goes, well, I don't, I don't get what the big deal is. You know, if AI is artistic, you know, I'm artistic too. And so when, when Borg, <laughs> uh, God bless Nix. Derek Nix, man. That's oh, my man. guy. The man. Uh, but, but again, but again, Matt, that's a good example of how very little my teammates knew about autism at the time. And so the next yeah. day, Draymond came up to me and said, hey, man, why didn't you tell me about all this? And so and my explanation was I didn't know how he was going to treat me. I thought he was going to be like everybody else and treat me differently. Um, but he said to me, he said, hey, man, you know, kudos to you because look how far you've come in your life despite all this. And not only did he and I become better teammates – but our relationship changed forever. Like we're better friends now because of it. And I got to lean more on my teammates if I couldn't tell if somebody was joking or being sarcastic. So I really got to learn more about who my teammates really were after that day. And they got to learn more about me too. Even to this day, Matt, like they're still asking me questions. You know, how does this affect yeah. you? How does this affect others on the spectrum? I had Dane Fife, you know, Fife's at Indiana now, but like a year mm -hmm. after I graduated, Fife had me in his office and started asking me questions. Like, Hey, if I, what kind of made you click when you were here? What didn't make you click? Like what, what worked with us? Like what worked really well? And I told him, I said, well, Fife, why are you asking me all this? He said, because if I, cause I'm going to, I'm going to coach you for a long time. And if I recruit a kid with autism, like I want to be prepared. And so you're kind of my guide, my guide and my resource when it comes to this, that showed me right there that, Hey, they care. They wanted to learn more and they still do to this day. And and if that little incident in the weight room didn't happen, I don't think we're having this discussion. But I also like to call it, you know, a blessing in disguise because, you know, it really helped out a lot of people in many ways. No doubt. Like, would it also impact you, like, during games by any chance? I mean, whether it's track talk between you and another a player, opponent, for example, or, maybe, or you know how college kids are, especially yeah. on road games, you know, heckling or anything like that, like, what was that ever like an impact? Obviously, it's not fun to endure that right, right. baseline, hard stop. But like with autism, I mean, did that impact it even more? If you would have asked me that like 20 years ago when I was four years old, yeah, for sure. Like it would have definitely impacted yeah. me. Um, because as a four-year-old, I could barely go to football and basketball games because just the sounds, the crowd, mm -hmm. the arena, the buzz on the scoreboard was just way too much for me. But obviously, I was able to find my own ways of overcoming that. So whenever I would watch the scoreboard and it would go from five, four, three, two, one, the, the horn would go off and I put my hands in my ears. But then I would slowly take my hands off my ears just to kind of hear what the sound, what it sounds like. If it was too much, I 
put my hands back on my ears. So I did that for the buzzer. I did that for the crowd noise. I did that for loud music. It just got to the point, Matt, where I did that every game. I was just so used to, you know, my surroundings. So I was controlling the environment around me, if you will. When I got to Michigan State, man, like I didn't pay attention to that stuff, you know, because I was more focused on what was going on, what was going on in the court or what players were being called. Um, you know, I'll use two good examples about heckling from fans. You know, when we were at Ohio State my retro junior year, I got called Zildjuna Sigalskis because I didn't have the goatee at the time. I, I just had a straight-up bald yeah. look, and I looked like, you know, Big Z at the time. And so every time – He was a good player, though. He was a good oh, he, player. So. He, was a, he was a very good player. And so whenever I made a jump shot or a layup in warm-ups, the whole student section would go nuts. And I'm like, okay, I'm loving this. And then, you know, a year later, my senior year, my senior when we went to Northwestern, I got called uh, John Barry because John Barry's got the bald head and the goatee. And so I was like, yeah, like, I love this. Like, I love this. And so, so I had fun with it, man. Like, I, I had fun, you know, even at Michigan. Like, they called me Ogre. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, I love it. I love it. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're noticing me, I'm either doing something right or you're just bored out of your minds. You got to pick on the walk-on today. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, man. I, I, what was it like playing in front of the Izzo, too? I, I, I know we're kind of going off, off script here. Maybe this doesn't have to do with the book at all, but, like, it just – what was that like just as a student athlete playing in front of that student section night in and night out? There's a reason why I call the Izone the greatest student section in the country because yeah. honestly, Matt, like they are crazy for a reason. And, you know, the one thing I started doing, and this is how I met a lot of my friends to this day who were in the Izone was, and, and Rashid Wallace did this when he was the Pistons, like during timeouts, like Rashid wouldn't even pay attention to timeout. He'd go right no, over the not. He <laughs> He would go right over to the scores table, start interacting with people sitting courtside or people at the scores table. And I was just like, you know what? That's really cool. I don't know when I'll get the opportunity to do that, but that's really cool. And so so I go over to the scores table before our first game, my rest of junior year, and I just start stretching out the scores table. And a couple of students started talking to me, and I started talking to them back. So it kind of became a tradition of mine after that that I would go to the scores table and just start yucking it up with everybody in the is zone. And so – so I guess that's how Matt, like, you know, I guess I earned a lot of people's respect from the Izone because what what they thought with me was they thought it was just really cool that an MSU basketball player would go over there and just talk to them for like five, ten, or fifteen minutes during pregame warmups because no no nobody else on the team did that. But when it came to my love for Michigan State, like I wanted to be that people person, like whether I knew you or didn't know you or you knew me or didn't know me, heck. Maybe you didn't like me. Like, I still wanted to be that guy to go over the scores table and be like, hey, how you doing? And that's how I met a lot of my friends. And so, you know, I, I always get on the is zone to this day a little bit. You know, I'm not afraid to criticize them if they're not doing their job. Oh, sure. and, and they hear it from me if they need to. But, you know, to this day, you know, I will always say it was the greatest student section um, I ever got to play in front of. And, you know, like I said, the interactions I had with those students, man, uh, that student section, it was just a blessing, man. And I was very, very happy to be a part of that. To like pivot back to the book too. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you're a people person. You love the interactions. Is, is there a favorite interaction you've had so far dealing with this book? Whether it's you know someone that got to pre-read it or a big celebrity or anyone like that. Any big interaction that sticks out with you in regards to this book? Oh man, I, I got a couple of them. Obviously, you know, with Allie LaForce. I mean, she she's just been a joy. You know, not not just to talk to Matt because obviously she she interviewed me for Beyond the Paint two years ago. But, you know, that interview turned into a friendship between me and her and just be able just being able to 
to talk to her about the process and being able to just, you know, talk to her about things. That That's definitely something I really enjoyed. It's just getting to know people like that. And, you know, I think it's just been really cool how she's gone out of her way sometimes just to even say hi to me or ask me how my family's doing. Um, but I think the other thing for me, Matt, is, um, you know, just talking about, you know, the experiences, you know, that I've been through. And then for me to hear back from people that I never even met. So there, there was somebody in Australia who bought my book and they said like wow. they loved it and they wanted to share that story with their kids. And I was like, man, like the fact that I got people outside the country listening to this, I mean, this is awesome. And, and you know, Matt, like when, when I hear things like that, it tells me two things. It tells me, number one, I'm doing my job as an advocate. But number two, the story is getting out there for people who really need it. And so th- those are obviously the things that really stood out to me, you know, during this whole process. And also to just to wind down here, before, before I even get to the questions, I have to thank you just for being generous with your time and doing oh, uh, really another press. That's uh, working <laughs> like a dog mode. This I, I guess this thing drops next Tuesday. What's next? Like, how, how many times are you going to refresh the page, seeing where you rank on like the book list? Because I know if I were in your shoes, I'd be mashing the refresh button every ten seconds. Like, what what is like, next week like? Starting on Tuesday. Oh man, well I'm back in. I'm back talking to students again. So next uh, next Thursday, um, you know, I get to go speak at an elementary school in Lansing, and then the next day I'll be at Grand Ledge, and then I'll be speaking at um, Michigan State basketball's VIP putt putt. Uh, charity gig. So I'm, I'm excited for that, man, because, you know, I kind of joke with, um, with Beth, who used to be coaches of secretary when I was at Michigan state. Uh, she was the one that asked me, do you want to speak at our VIP event? I was like, Anthony, I any VIP Michigan state basketball program. That's, that's never gone together before. But, but of course, you know, and then we got our basketball reunion on the 11th. So everybody's coming back, you know, I'm excited to see the guys and be around them again. So, you know, just be basically back to work stuff for me, but at the same time, mixing the book in. And, and it's funny you bring up, you know, the sales and everything like that. I told my agent, I said, hey, I said, you worry about that. Like, I'm not, I don't want to get caught up into it. Because w- once I set my mind to something, Matt, like I get so caught up into it, like I can't, you know, because over the weekend, this past weekend, that's what I did. You know, my agent kept texting me, hey, you're, you're top five in autism books now. You're top 10 in basketball biographies and basketball books. You're the number one release, you know, uh, for autism books. And then I told him, I said, yeah, maybe top 10 in basketball books, but did you see who's number one? He goes, no, who? I said, Kobe Bryant's, you know, Mamba Mentality book. I said, do you really think I'm going to top that? No, I'm probably not going to. Might be tough. Might be tough. Maybe. <laughs> but, but you never know. Um, but I think for me, Matt, I'm not worried about that right now. I think the only thing I'm worried about is trying to promote the hell out of this thing. And like I said, people are probably going to get annoyed at me on social media because every tweet I'm going to have for the next two weeks is going to end with make this thing a bestseller. And that's what I want. And, you know, but like I said, I'm just enjoying the ride. And if it, if it doesn't become a bestseller until, I don't know, until 2022, then that's fine. Because if I get a, if I get 8,000 copies of my book sold and it's not a bestseller, I don't care. That, that, that just tells me that 8,000 people, whoever get to read a story, you know, that'll give them hope and inspiration. So but like I said, I don't know what the future holds for me, but I'm excited, man. I'm just along for the ride. No, we're all excited. No, no doubt about it. And I, I know it's obviously on Amazon. Is that the best place for people to get their hold of the book, or is there other avenues, too, that people can can go for centered? Yeah. yeah, so they can go to iupress.com. They can go to Goodreads. They can go to Google Books, um, Barnes & Noble. It's going to be in bookstores, you know, Schuler's, Barnes & Noble, around, around not just state of Michigan, but around the country as well. Um, so it will be in bookstores. And then – 
Um, on Thursday, this Thursday, I'm finishing up the audiobook portion of the book. So I got my last recording session um, in studio in Grand Rapids. So it will be an audio form. So I, I had a lot of people, man, in the autism community ask me that question of, okay, is it going to be an audio book? I was like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get that done. And we're almost done. I got a couple more things to wrap up with it. And then it'll be, in, uh, it'll be, it'll probably be, it'll be available on tantoraudio.com. So that's where you can find it. That's big time, man, dude. That, that's awesome. We're, 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 we're stoked for you, man. I mean, lockdown Spartans, we, we love you here. Spartan nation loves you. Anthony, you're the man. That's awesome. So, so pumped Thanks, for center man. to come out next Tuesday. It's going to be a whirlwind. And I don't think you're going to annoy anyone with social media because we're, we're all rooting for you. We're all fired up for you. And yeah, it's, it's awesome that you've been able to share the story as well as you have too. I mean, it impacts so many people um, throughout the world, Australia. That's awesome. That's crazy. So um, and yeah, can't can't thank you enough uh, for your time tonight, too, man, to uh, talk about the book for probably the fiftieth time in the last two weeks for <laughs> for you. But man, yeah. well, as always, Anthony, you're you're the absolute man, and uh, yeah, you're you're an icon, man. No, thanks, Matt. I appreciate that, man. And like I said, who you know, who knows? Like maybe you know, we got book right now, we got audio book, and I told my agent, I said, I said, you know what the next step is, and he said, big screen. I said, yep. I said. Yep. Let's Let's try, let's try and go for the grand slam on this one. So keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully that happens one day. Absolutely. I would love to uh, play the role of Mike Keebler if possible. I think that's probably going to be my, <laughs> my, best, my best shot for, for a role here. Or, um, you know what? Or maybe like an, uh, an extra in the zone. That's probably better suited for me. How about, uh, how about Tom Izzo, uh, man? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I almost have there like the airline. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah, I, going back. It's a little more wrinkles. Maybe this football season will do that for me, but yeah, he'll, we'll get it going, man. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate we'll it. That's hey, luck at that putt putt. That's, that's going to be awesome. Actually, the, this painting behind me, I, I won that at the putt putt thing like two years ago. So, awesome, yeah. man. It was, no, it was such a cool event. So yeah, man. But hey, th- thanks a ton, Anthony. You're, you're, you're an icon. We love you here. You're the best, man. Just simply the best. I see this football man. season too. Oh yeah, dude, I got a fireball shot coming your way in a week, man. I'll see you in a week. I got one coming right back to you. So look at that. Ah, my man. <laughs> Again, guys, that is Centered. Autism, basketball, and one athlete's dream dropping September 7th all over the place. Amazon, uh, bookstores. It's it's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to see uh, what numbers this does. And also another huge, huge thank you to Anthony for being gracious with his time and spending a, a full show with us to talk about his upcoming book. And yeah, safe to say we're all rooting for him. And uh, yeah, can't can't wait for this one to be dropped to the public for everyone to enjoy. And also uh, tomorrow's show. Yeah, hey, it's game day. <laughs> it's game day. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll definitely be talking all things about the the, the football game. Uh, things we want to see, keys to the game, best bets, random stuff. It, it, I hope to have a little bit of fun with it, uh, and I I hope we really set the tone for a nice game day preview show. Oh my goodness gracious, it is coming in so hot, so hot. Speaking of betting, betting on the Spartans doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, Ron team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. Woo! Game day. Game day. So, 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 so close. So close. Go green, baby. Let's go.